Are you ready to take control of your wealth and design the life you envision for yourself and your family? Welcome to Wealth of Insight with Austin Wittenberg from Wittenberg Wealth Partners. Austin guides you through the entire planning process to help you build a plan that seeks to protect your financial future. He empowers you with creative investment opportunities and planning ideas to help you understand and achieve your long-term goals. It's time to gain confidence in your financial future. Now, onto the show. All right, we've got uh, Scott Tallman on the uh, podcast with us today. I thought I'd bring Scott in. He works with uh, Bell Haven, who's a fixed income or bond manager we do a lot of work with. And this has been one of the wildest and wackiest starts to the fixed income bond market you know, that we've seen in, in quite a while. There's a lot of things at play. You got inflation, you got interest rates, you got geopolitical things happening in the world. So I thought I'd bring Scott on here to walk us through how they're, you know, how Bellhaven and how he's looking at the, at the bond market. So Scott joined Bellhaven in 2017. He's part of their advisory solutions team. So he's responsible for working with um, the advisors and, and our, our end clients on, and getting them positioned best in the bond market. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Hey there, Austin. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course. Why don't you take just a minute or so and talk a little bit about Bellhaven, who you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, uh, Bellhaven is a boutique fixed income firm. Uh, we're based out of Westchester County, New York. Uh, we manage about $15 billion in assets today, and uh, we primarily focus on managing what we describe as separately managed accounts or accounts where we're buying individual bonds on behalf of the client. As a disclosure, we do also sub-advise two mutual funds um, with Transamerica, and that's about 15% of our AUM. But uh, again, primarily building out conservative, high-quality bond ladders uh, in this SMA space. Perfect. Let's get into it then, because normally bonds are where people go to feel safe and to avoid the stock market crashes and avoid the volatility, right? But this year's been quite a bit different than that. So, you know, we were chatting before we started recording about how this, since I've been an advisor dating all the way back to, you know, 2011, this is about the wildest and wackiest start to the bond market that I've seen. So how is Bellhaven approaching the interest rate changes, the inflation now, what's how do investors who've been historically looking for safety manage that in a period where you know stocks and bonds are almost down about the same amount year to date? No, absolutely. I mean, there's no question this has been a unique start to the year, um, but not unprecedented. And I would just frame it in this context, and um, I'll kind of come back to a couple of things that we're focusing on. But keep in mind, in the last nine years alone. We've had five separate moves in the U.S. 10-year Treasury where we've seen a move of north of 100 basis points or greater than 1%. So if you think back to 2013, coming out of the Great Recession and the initial quantitative easing, we had what we called the taper tantrum, right, where the 10-year moved from the 160s to the upwards of 3% range by the end of the year. That was like a seven month, eight month period. We also had in 2016, when the 10 year hit a low during the summer in the 130s, moved considerably after Trump was elected. And we saw the 10 year rise uh, to 240 and then on to 260 the following spring. So another significant move. 2018 is kind of comparable in a way um, because we had the Fed actually raising the Fed funds rate in 2018. They did so four times. 
Um, but uniquely following those four moves in early 2019, they realized the global economy was starting to slow and ended up cutting in the summer of 2019. So uh, three examples there. And then obviously during the pandemic, we went from a low in 2020 of 52 basis points on the 10 year and spiked back up to 174 in the spring of 2021. And then lastly, we're in one right now, right? Where the move in the 10 year as it relates to affecting the broader market actually started last August when the 10 year was at 119. And today we you know, sit in the upper 170s, but we've touched the, or excuse me, 270s, but we've touched 290s as well. But that being said, having, having been through those moments, this one feels different simply just because we're in a unique inflationary environment and the Fed is having to attack this one a bit differently. So no doubt it feels different. I would say there's a couple of things that I would want to kind of come back to, and that is keep in mind when when you're investing in bonds, there's a couple of different ways to own. You can certainly utilize the vehicles of mutual funds and ETFs. It's a way to access the market and we get it. But within an SMA, where we're buying individual bonds on behalf of the client, we're creating what we call defined outcomes, where we know when we go ahead and purchase that bond, there's gonna be a positive defined outcome unless two things happen. That is, unless the client decides to sell the bond prior to maturity, right. or if there happens to be a credit event where we feel like we need to step in on their behalf. But at the end of the day, there's going to be statement fluctuation through the moves like this. But if they were to hang tight, they know that there's going to be a positive defined outcome. Yeah. And that's one of the unique things about bonds is that maturity date, right? Different than a stock where it's going to fluctuate, but bonds, you have a maturity date and you know, on that maturity date what value you're going to receive back, right? That may be different than what your bonds are worth today or tomorrow, but on X certain date, you know what you're getting back. So, you know, and this, we've been saying the interest rates are going to rise for a decade and they, you know, you've mentioned a few times they've spiked, but always sort of come back down this time, you know, you hate to see, you hate to say it's this time is different, right? Isn't that they say the scariest words, but <laughs> Because of that, in you know, because of the inflation, the Fed has basically said, "Hey, we know that inflation is out there. We know there's all the stock market volatility, but we have to try to curb this inflation. We have to try to slow things down a little. So the interest rates are going to have to keep rising. So, you know, how much of what the Fed says or does impacts your end decisions when you're looking for bonds for clients? I mean, us uniquely, it doesn't have a great impact, but we do have to adjust to the broader market. So at the end of the day, if we're going to build at a very conservative bond ladder, meaning that they're going to be short to intermediate in nature, one to 12, one to 15 years, you know, we're still going to stick to that kind of structure. And then our process and being able to bid directly on bonds and find the best value out there for our clients, what we describe as finding the best execution price for them, that's not gonna change. And that would be a constant, regardless of the moves in the market. We're gonna come in, set our scales and bid uh, on behalf of the clients. That being said, you know, the market gives you different opportunities, right? Um, there's periods of time within that laddered structure where it maybe makes more sense to be shorter or be concentrated on the short end of the curve, or maybe be more focused on the intermediate part. And we're thoughtful of that, but we don't want to get too, as we might say, cute with the process. We want to stick to our basics and, and allow that process from our perspective to play out. And um, it usually is to the benefit of clients. There's, there's peers within our space 
that have had some success in making bets along the way of how they position their portfolios, whether it be from a credit selection standpoint or whether it be from maturity selection. But over time, it creates a more inconsistent experience. And we just found that uh, sticking with the ladder, high quality bonds, and then a process that repeatedly generates alpha for our clients is the best way to go about things. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, we're trying to approach this with a long-term perspective, right? There's obviously the market, whether it's again, stocks or bonds presents with opportunity. It's rare. It feels like that I can say, Hey, bonds are on sale, right? There's oftentimes stocks go on sale. The market for whatever reason comes down, but now really feels like a time where even some bonds are on sale, where you can pick up some extra return by being, you know, getting in at this point when even the bond market has sold off. And that's, really what we're trying to find is, you know, any of those opportunities like that, or maybe it's even, you know, we've got capital gains somewhere and we can pick up some capital losses and then redeploy those assets, whatever bonds we sold at a loss. Now we can redeploy it immediately at higher rates. So there's definitely a lot of that, you know, we're trying to do a lot of that for our clients right now, obviously with your help, looking for those opportunities that present themselves you know, sounds like every three or four years from the, the timeline you laid out for us. So, you know, is how much of, you know, we mentioned bond ladders and bonds you want to hold to the end, but how much moving in and out do you typically see? Or, or you know, is that part of the strategy overall? Yeah, no doubt. So part of our process is demonstrating that we are truly an active manager and we're adapting to environments on a daily basis within any of our client portfolios. We're always going to test the waters. And what we mean by that is, we like to at least offer some of our client bonds out just to see if there's interest and potentially another investor out there that might have the appetite to overpay for one of our bonds. And in those scenarios, we're going to try to you know, create a thoughtful trade and generate some alpha. But in an environment like this, you don't get a lot of these opportunities, but in an environment like this where you've seen the equity market rally quite a bit the last two years and you have significant gains on that side. And on the bond market, we have a dislocated market to where you actually could book a few losses and, and kind of harvest them and set them aside to offset some of those other gains. And we are helping some clients in doing that because maybe they own the bonds at suboptimal yields comparative today, right? So if we can book a loss, take the proceeds and redeploy them and help them find a better yield, it's going to be maybe a better experience than down the road. But we want to make sure that we're thoughtful about it. Um, we want to evaluate each individual portfolio to make sure it makes sense. But with the direction of the client and the advisor, we're happy to help in that way. Now, and I know a lot of clients out there, they're sitting on cash, especially given some of the geopolitical events going on, right? There's a lot of, a lot of concern there and cash and inflation aren't necessarily the best partners, right? That no. with, with inflation being where it is, but they're nervous because of all the other things going on out there. So they're looking at, Hey, well, maybe I should do a CD or something like that. And bonds fit into that, that overall strategy. But when I know that, you know, based on what the fed has said, so I should say, I know with quotation marks, cause the fed may obviously change course, but with the fed saying, Hey, we're going to keep raising rates, which leads a trickle down effect to right rates rising in these, in the fixed income markets and other places. Do I deploy capital today or do I wait six months and do it at a higher higher yield? You know, how do you think about 
I don't want to say market timing. We're not market timers. We're long-term investors. But when there's these short-term fluctuations, how do you think about deploying capital now versus later based on expected interest rate rises? Yeah, absolutely. So with the backdrop of always thinking about us building out ladders, that's going to be your foundation. There's going to be an organic process there that allows us to redeploy capital as things mature. But as far as new dollars and how we would think about putting them to work in this market, let me frame it this way. Um, And it's a bit more technical um, than some of the other conversation that we've had. But from a muni perspective, typically tax-free municipal bonds trade at a ratio to treasuries of about 80% from a yield perspective. At the lows of last summer in 2021, in June and July, tax-free municipal bonds, high quality tax-free municipal bonds were trading in the 50 to 60% range on comparative yields to treasuries. So you could make the case in that environment that the tax-free municipal bond market was overbought. Today, with the backup in yields, Uh, and the dislocation we're seeing, some of the selling we're seeing in the municipal bond market, the the ratios are back into uh, a 90 to 100% comparison range. So they're trading at 90 to 100% of treasuries. And then of course you have the tax-free benefit to it. And in some cases, we're finding deals out there today where they're trading at 125% of treasuries. So much greater yield and you get the tax-free. And the tax-free, wow. So for us, we would be foolish to say, it makes sense to deploy it all now because there's still some things to play out um, as far as the economy goes and certainly the Fed and some of the decisions they'll be making in May and then in June. Um, But we do think based on kind of that math and historically how it's been framed, it's a decent opportunity to step in with some money and kind of lock in some defined outcomes, but you want to do it incrementally over time. Sure. You know, and inflation, I think fits into that same category. When I'm talking to clients, when, the, when we have inflation concerns, bonds are not typically our recommendation, right? We're thinking stocks or commodities to a certain extent, even real estate tend to perform well in, in inflationary environments. Now, bonds, as we mentioned, have that sort of defined outcome. So if inflation rises, well, your interest rate doesn't, unless you're in it, you know, inflation protected or other types of, you know, there are some bonds out there that, that adjust there, but, you know, in general, inflation really attacks your bonds. And for our older clients who are maybe sitting in bonds, inflation at six, seven, eight percent we're seeing, they bought bonds two or three years ago at at two or three percent, they're starting to get really nervous that, hey, my bonds are really losing some purchasing power. And I've been relying on that income and it's not getting me where I need it to be. So for clients in a situation like that, how do we approach or how do you approach, you know, helping them through those time periods? Now, you know, we don't expect inflation to stay at seven or 8% forever. So maybe the, the easy answer is we wait it out and, and things correct. But when you've got that, such that inflation to income disparity, you know, how do we help comfort those, those clients? Yeah, a couple of thoughts there. I mean, obviously the broader asset allocation, the broader plan comes into play and in, in kind of understanding how we can help them achieve their long-term goals. But the bonds themselves, as long as they're in a laddered format, there's going to be an opportunity for their income stream to potentially increase with each passing year. And now that we've mentioned, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you there, but I, we've mentioned ladders a few times and it just 
hit me that, hey, we haven't actually explained what a bond ladder is and sort of that strategy. So with the backdrop of rising rates, rise, you know, hoping for rising income, you walk through sort of just how a bond ladder works and you know, how, that, so how that fits in a client's overall investment strategy. The backdrop of a ladder is, is pretty straightforward, as you might expect. So if you had a, a 15-year laddered portfolio, what we're trying to do is basically have some exposure into each maturity bucket. So we'll put some money to work in a one-year maturity, and then we go on, so on. So another bucket of money would be put to work in a two-year maturity and three-year maturity. It's not going to be completely consistent across all 15 years, but we do want exposure to all 15 years. So we're going to maybe have some concentrated more in the three to five-year range or, or six to eight-year range. But the idea is if you have some money deployed in each of these maturity buckets, as time passes and each year kind of rolls down, you'll have some money that matures. You'll have proceeds from those maturities that you'll be able to take and reinvest into what we hope is a better yield environment. And, and this dislocation that we're in right now is providing that. So any dollars that come due, we can take them and re, uh, redeploy them into a market that's given us a better opportunity to capture yield. And that's going to increase the income stream and potentially distribution model for our clients uh, going forward. Yeah. And back to sort of what we mentioned earlier about defined incomes, that's the challenge for clients. And for me, when they see their statement, and the statement shows it's down three, five, eight percent, knowing that that's just that's on paper, it's just on the statement. I know my, you know, I can look at my statement and see my maturity dates. I know what value I'm getting back on those maturity dates. So with if it's down three percent or five percent today, that's really on that's just on paper. Only if we chose to, you know, sell everything today are we looking at that. But if we hang on, those bonds mature. We can reinvest at higher rates. So over time, we you know, get back into a rising, you know, rising income for clients. And that's really been income has been one of the hardest things for us to find for clients for the past decade, you know, given where rates have been. So the pro of the rising rates is hey, these bonds are actually gonna be able to provide you real income now, whereas that's been a challenge for the last few years. The con is hey, your statement for a little bit's gonna look a little rough. Yep. No, there, there's a, there's, there's definitely a, a positive outcome to this kind of dislocation. And that is, it's almost a reset of the market. And we, we don't always appreciate going through the cycle, but we really do want this to happen over time for the long-term investor um, that it's going to benefit them down the road. And, and again, you know, we look forward to those days where we can call you and say, Hey, we're able to capture a better yield for you. You know? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And you know, it, it makes our job a little bit easier on the on the income side of things, when we can count on some of that income coming from the bonds for sure, you know, and that old 60, 40 portfolio has struggled with income the past few years because of that. But we can try to get back to that more, a more normal interest rate environment. You know, there's, you know, we're seeing the bumps along the way that, that come with that. But again, if we're approaching it long term, ultimately, you know, the clients are going to end up in a better spot income wise if we can wait out some of these short term, short term volatility. You know, it'd be really, I'm really fascinated to see how the rest of the year plays out. I, I don't have the exact statistics, but I think it's been something like 30 or 40 years since bonds and stocks both were negative for the same calendar year. Sure. You know, from a return perspective, you know, you think back to even 
2008, bonds were sort of the the shining star, the only thing that sort of weathered the storm. And the storm we're in now is a different beast. And, you know, bonds haven't weathered it quite as well as maybe they have in the past. Yeah, I would just add to it, though, and, and you kind of alluded to it yourself as, you know, the, the Fed and their role and how this plays out over the next six to seven months. I mean, it's important. We're not discounting it in any way. But the track record and their ability to softly land this thing, um, and, and when I mean softly land this thing, be able to kind of stabilize the market um, without rolling the economy over into a recession is not good, right? But they're going to do their best to uh, balance that. The one thing I would say around this, though, is that each time you hear the Fed talking about their forecast of what they might do with rates, I would stress that that is simply just a forecast. Right. And they do have to remain data dependent as they move forward. So, you know, the market always likes to try to move ahead and anticipate what might happen. And they've done so in the bond market, especially with shorter maturities. Um, those have sold off the most. But, but at the end of the day, you know, there's data that's going to be coming out in the next couple of quarters that they're going to have to react to. And even if they decide that they need to move forward and raise rates a few times, they're going to have to say, okay, what is the data telling me? And do we need to keep going at this pace or should we pause? Or let's just kind of hold tight. Those are things that they're going to have to discuss because there's no guarantees that the economy is going to continue to run hot for an extended period of time because uh, we are coming out of a pandemic, uh, we hope, right? right. And <laughs> the idea that, you know, without the additional fiscal stimulus and, you know, the Fed's monetary stimulus that we can grow at the same rate we've grown for the last two years, that's really hard for us to get our head around. And uh, we definitely think the economy will slow. They're going to have some headwinds. It's just debatable whether it's going to slow dramatically, depending on how the Fed reacts. But the other part of it is, remember, it's really tough for the Fed to step in and help if the Fed funds rate at, is at zero to 25 basis points, right? Right. They had to move to some degree to give themselves room. Yeah, that's um, almost the, the industry joke going around, right? Or, you know, it's, they're raising it just so they can lower it again when they need to. Well, right? that's, that's so, the track record the last 10 years. Of true, course, but, right. Yeah, it started as a joke and now to, it's proven but, out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's definitely something we're, we're watching you know, you mentioned the the big bad R word recession there, and certainly something that we're looking at. You know, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. This isn't something that we talked about, but you know, let's say we do enter a recession. How have bonds held up during recessionary periods? And most people, I think, think of the stock market and a bear market, a twenty percent drop, things like that. You know, that's that seems to be where bonds have the potential to shine. No doubt. I mean, that comes back to what's going to be the ballast in your portfolio when things get a little bit rocky in the broader markets and the broader markets being equities, right? Historically, that's why you allocate a sleeve to bonds. And the fact that the market has uh, provided a new opportunity to lock in some incremental yield, um, that, that's probably what you want to do, just to stash some money away, have that cash flow coming in during a period that might be rocky, if that's the case. You know? So you're telling me that diversification can still work? It can. I mean, with, within each individual plan, uh, it can. It's just uh, what makes sense for the individual client. But the cash flow component is the foundation. We would stress to any client that says, you know, our, our bonds meant for total return, they can have that kind of component to it and we'll drive as much alpha as we can or excess return. But the foundation of the bond allocation is knowing that you're going to buy something that has a defined outcome, a cash flow component, and you're going to get your principal back. So. 
yeah, you know, and that's that's how we think about it. Think about it as well. There's certainly upside, but we want to when we're talking about forecasting and modeling for clients, what's sort of the what's that more defined outcome? The what's maybe the most realistic outcome there, right? So, well, you know, I appreciate you coming on. It's certainly been an interesting start to the year, and I I think it's going to make sense for us to to touch base again in a few more months to get caught up then and how things have changed. So um, appreciate you coming on today, Scott. Thank you, Austin. Appreciate that. If you have any questions or would like to learn more, please check out our website at windenbergwealth.com or you can text me at 801-839-7056. Please remember to subscribe to the Wealth of Insight podcast and share with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to the Wealth of Insight podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Stratos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Stratos Wealth Partners and Wittenberg Wealth Partners are separate entities from LPL Financial. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wittenberg Wealth Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.